Thank you for joining us for the Ravenswood Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Dustin Moore. We are a Bible-believing, grace-driven church located on the north side of Chicago. As a church, we are passionate about making disciples of all people for the glory of God. If you would like more information about our ministry, visit ravenswoodbaptist.org. Now, here's Pastor Dustin. We're going to read this morning from 1 John chapter 2 as we continue in our study. I'm going to begin this morning by looking at the text with you. Would you look at verse number 12 of 1 John chapter 2? This is God's word. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. It's been a couple weeks since we've been in 1 John together, which in many ways concerns me, because I worry that we may come to a passage like this today and We may have lost the context in which John is writing to these believers in the Christian community. Do you remember a few weeks back we we saw two tests that John had given? The first was what we called the moral test in regards to keeping the commandments of Christ. as being evidence of being in Christ. Keeping the word, abiding in him and walking as Jesus walked. Or living as he lived. The second test we saw was what we referred to as the social test of salvation. It was in regards to loving one another. Maybe, and I hope you do, remember that John told them that it was an old commandment to them. They They had heard that they were to love one another since the very early days of their faith in Christ. But yet it was a new commandment at the same time in the sense that Jesus called it a new commandment. But in chapter 2, John quite abruptly turned the page on the topic of loving one another. And very soon, in fact, so soon as next Sunday, we're going to see John writes about a different love. Before he does, though, he comes to them and speaks to them about some things that they need to remember. In fact, the, the, the call to love next week is so strong It's so strong and it's in many ways so difficult for us that John has to base that call with some reminders. Remembering truth is a powerful tool in the life of the Christian. In fact, Jesus says that one of the chief ministries of the Holy Spirit is to help us bring truth to mind. John chapter 14 and verse 25, we find these words, These things have I spoken to you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. You see, the all-knowing, all-wise Savior knows that you and I are prone to be people that forget. And so the Spirit helps us to remember truth. John is calling them today to remember. 
The power of remembering is so important in Scripture that God helps us throughout the Bible with signs or benchmarks that remind us of His goodness. After the flood, the sign was the rainbow, a symbol of God's covenant promise. Genesis 9.12 says, and God said, this is the token, this is the token, the remembrance, the reminder which I make between you, me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. So every time you see a rainbow, it's a reminder of God's covenant in the Noahic covenant. In the new covenant, the Lord instituted the Lord's Supper for the purpose of remembering the gospel. 1 Corinthians 11 says, After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. See, God also gives us stories in Scripture by which he, by which he calls us to remember his mercy and his goodness. And we need this. If you're anything like me, you forget, as I've said often here, it's not original with me, but we as God's people have an amnesia of the truth. We forget. And so the importance for us to stop on the side of the road, so to speak, and clean off our glasses so we can see properly is vital to the Christian's walk. We need to be reminded of the truth. So remembrance is necessary to us. To remember the truth of Scripture and the Gospel. To stop and rest and remember every single day. And what does this have to do with our text today? Well, I propose to you this morning that the purpose of 1 John chapter 2 and verses 12-14 through are to help these Christians in the Johannine community, and now even applicable to us today, to remember, as John stated, what they need to remember so that they can be faithful to the passage we're going to look at next Sunday. We need the reminders of the gospel, not just for encouragement, not just to feel better, but for empowerment, for spiritual battle, for John knowing he is about to tell these Christians in verses 15 to 17 something that they're going to wrestle with, they need to base themselves before they get there. Here in the passage that we read already, and we're going to continue to work through it today, he speaks, John speaks to three different groups. You may have noticed that. The groups that are named are the little children, the fathers, and the young men. There are some, to be honest with you, there are some interpretation challenges of the passage. They mostly center around, are these, is John actually writing to children, like actual children, actual fathers, and young men? Is he writing to people that are categorized by age? Well, one would obviously question, where would the ladies fit into that? Or... And I believe a proper application, a proper meaning and understanding here would be that John is writing to groups of people that are given their category, not in a demeaning sense, but just in a reality of here's where you are in your spiritual development. 
for various reasons of which I'm not going to work through in this message, but be glad to talk to you at any other time about. I'm going to land on the position that these people are people that are placed in spiritual development groups, if you will. That's not to say anything negative about those that are not as mature as others, but John is writing this for a reason, understanding that in different seasons of our spiritual growth and development, we need, in some senses, different reminders. We need maybe different reminders. Every church has people in each stage of the spiritual development. There are people here today that you would fit. And again, there's nothing wrong with that in the category as little children. There are some that are fathers, spiritual fathers, and then there are the spiritual young men. We can come to the passage today and wherever we are, we can find truth for where we are and for what we are facing that will help us as we go forward in this book, in this chapter and passage next week. So I want to simply, today, I want to look at the three categories. I want to start by where John starts. He starts with the little children. Look at verse 12 again. He writes to the little children. He says this, I write unto you, little children, because, it's a very important word there, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Four times in these verses, John says, I write unto you. Two times he says, I have written unto you. And each of these six times, he follows with the word because. There's a causation to John's writing. The usage tells us why John is writing, but also tells them what is being declared in the writing. All that come into God's family become his children. So when John starts, in many ways, we could say that all of us are God's children if we have come into God's family by faith in Christ. But he gives a different category here. He's not saying, he's not necessarily speaking to all of us, although he is. He is speaking to those that are, they're newer in their Christian faith. And to become, to become God's child Something has to happen, and John says that it, what has to happen is sins must be forgiven. This is the only way into the family. John says here, he says, your sins are forgiven. This is present tense. They are, not were, not even will be, they are forgiven. The current status of Every child of God, regardless of your spiritual development, your status is forgiven. I could rattle through passage after passage, but let me give you a few this morning. Acts chapter 13, verse 38 says, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Central to the message of the gospel is the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1, verse 7, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Colossians 1.14 In whom we have redemption through His blood, even, even the forgiveness of sins. Colossians 2 and verse 13 says, And you being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened together, made alive with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Romans 4.7 Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. 
We saw 1 John 1, 9, if we confess, if we agree with God about our sin, we know that He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I say to all believers this morning, whether you're a new Christian or you've been a Christian for many years, you are God's child because God has forgiven all your sins because of Christ's death on the cross. Christ has satisfied the wrath of God on our sins and we receive forgiveness through faith in Christ's finished work. Our sins, though, listen, are not forgiven based on anything we've done. John says that your sins are forgiven for His name's sake. This means, friends, this means that the basis of our forgiveness is the activity of God in Christ's life, death, and resurrection. Ephesians 4.32 expresses this so well. Familiar verse, but the Bible says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. This means that we have received forgiveness, listen, by the authority of Jesus. And his authority cannot be revoked or diminished. Your forgiveness in Christ cannot go away because it is based on the one whose authority cannot fade. Your forgiveness is secure not because of you, but because of Christ. And so he writes to the little children. He says, I'm telling you, your sins are forgiven you because those those who are early on in their faith need to be reminded of this forgiveness. He addresses the little children again in verse 13, the latter part in verse 13. He says, I write unto you little children because you have known the Father. Your sins are forgiven for His namesake and you've known the Father. John is simply telling them that they have, as children by faith, they have come to know God as their Father. The relational component of God as their Father had come to their understanding in the earliest moments of their Christian life. And it is God's Spirit who reminds each child of God of their new relationship with God. It is a relationship that has moved from Creator to Father. Galatians 4, 6 says, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now all of this is, you say, well, this is so base. No, no, this is not ABC, friends. This is A to Z. This is A to Z of the Christian life. But John is writing to these newer Christians and he's saying, listen, I'm telling you, your sins are forgiven. And you need to remember that. And you need to remember that God is your Father because you are prone to forget both. All Christians need to be reminded of the truth of forgiveness in God as Father. But John believed here those that were early in their Christian development needed this reminder. Quite possibly they'd be prone to be greatly discouraged by their sins or wonder if God would kick them out of the family. And John tells them that they are secure. Your sins are forgiven you because of the authority of Jesus. And God is your Father. And God does not remove His children from the family. This will enable their obedience in the coming verses. 
and it will enable their growth as Christians. He writes to the second group, and the group that he goes to next are the fathers. In verse 13, he writes to the spiritually mature that are in this community. He calls them fathers because they are spiritual fathers. Verse 13, he says, I write unto you fathers because ye have known him. Ye have known him that is from the beginning. Verse 14, he says, I have written unto you fathers because ye have known him that is from the beginning. He reminds these spiritual fathers that they have known him. Now he says the same thing apart from I write and I have written. The first time it's I write, the second time it's I have written. He says that they have known him, that is from the beginning. Now, to the young children, he said that they have known the father. But here John doesn't reference the father. In fact, in Johannan writing, in the Gospel of John, and in 1 John, to reference from the beginning is almost always a reference to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I would argue here, I could argue that John could be speaking of all three persons of the Trinity because they're all eternal. But he introduces the incarnate Christ, the Logos, in relation to the beginning of time. In John 1, in his gospel, he said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He said that in John 1. In 1 John 1, which we saw, he said that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the Word of life. I believe here John is saying, you've known him from the beginning. You've known the Lord Jesus. It's not that you knew him that long. It's that you have entered into a deep relationship with Jesus. I present to you that the fathers to whom John writes know and are growing in their knowledge of Christ. Those that are spiritually mature to John, he says, that they've come to know Christ's gospel, his word, his power, his truth, his beauty, his majesty, his purposes, his forgiveness, his grace, his peace. And I could go on and on. There's a, for the spiritual fathers, there's a depth of relationship here of which John speaks. They walk in forgiveness. They know the Father, but there is not an, but there is now this intimacy. An intimacy that has developed over the years. It's no longer, it's no longer just the base. Now it's literally to know is to experience Jesus. There's a seasoned relationship with Christ that goes where only time, grace, and the Word and the Spirit can go. I don't know about you, but I long for this. We have many spiritual fathers in our church. They're not spiritual fathers because they're older. They're spiritual fathers because by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and in growth in the Word, by the Holy Spirit, they come to a deep intimacy with Jesus. And when you spend time with them, you see it and you experience it and you feel it. By all accounts, John the Apostle, writing this, He was one of those spiritual fathers. I long to know Jesus in this way. Do you? I long to know Jesus in this way. Paul talked about that. 
His famous words in Philippians 3 said, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Twice John says, you have known him. That is from the beginning. When you know Jesus, you are finding that Christ satisfies you. You're not in search of replacements. As Tim Keller said, knowing Christ moves us from seeing Jesus as useful to then seeing him as beautiful. He's no longer a tool in your toolbox. He is your everything. And the spiritual fathers have experienced this. To know him, to enjoy him. Those spiritual fathers need to be reminded of their relationship with Christ. They need to be reminded. Some of you in here might fit into that category and there's no boast in that. It's all of grace. But you're going to need to be reminded that you have a deep relationship with Christ. For those of you that you go, I just don't know that that's me, Dustin. I don't know that that's me. I want to ask you this morning, do you want nothing more than Christ? To know more of Him and to know Him deeper? I think we're afraid of the idea of a deep relationship, this sense of mysticism. We're not talking about mysticism here. We're talking about knowing Christ intimately by the Word through the Spirit. For what John is going to say, these spiritual fathers need this reminder of the depth of relationship they have with Christ. We're going to apply it in just a moment. But number three, he writes to the young men. It's almost like he skips these guys, these, this category, the children of fathers, and he comes to this middle group, and he says this in verse 13. If you can track me, we're bouncing around to the, hit these categories together. But in verse 13, he says, I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. John gives this other group, this young men, these are not to be seen as simply males, similar as the fathers are not just males. This is in reference to those Christians who are busily involved in the battle of Christian living. Now truly, all Christians, as I mentioned earlier, are in some sense fighting in spiritual warfare, but these here are not simply enjoying forgiveness and fellowship. They're not simply enjoying forgiveness and fellowship, but they're fighting there's a soldier picture with this group. They're actively engaged in battle because their, their sins have been forgiven. They're, they're understanding fellowship and they're taking that to the battlefield. And they have provoked a war against sin and Satan, as should all of us. But John says here that their conflict has become a conquest. Now, this kind of battle should be a part of every Christian life. We should always be resisting evil as well as delighting in forgiveness and intimate fellowship. But this conquest is specific. These believers had seen spiritual victory. John said here, they have overcome the wicked one. And their blessing to the body of Christ is not to be taken lightly. They can share with the body of Christ what has propelled this victory. And the next time these verses that John references them, he tells how they were victorious. And by the way, here we find a pattern, a rhythm, if you will, an explanation of, of spiritual victory. 
If you want spiritual victory, notice here in verse 14. He says, I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abideth in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. Again, there it is. They have overcome the wicked one. Now, how did this happen? John says they're strong. This isn't physical. It's spiritual. They're spiritually strong, not because they themselves are strong, but it's stated here the reason for this strength is the word of God abideth in them. John loves the theme of abiding. We saw that in the Gospel of John. We saw that in 1 John already. That the word of God abiding in us is vital for the spiritual battles we face. And, and, and the psalmist spoke to this in Psalm 119 when he says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The spiritually victorious ones to which John writes, they're strong and they've overcome the wicked one because the word of God abideth in them. I don't know who it's original with, but I believe it's Mark Dever who said, we should be people who get into the word so that the word gets into us. We need the word of God for spiritual battle. There is no spiritually victorious Christian who tries to overcome the wicked one without the word of God. Let's quickly remember a key principle from our study. A key principle from our study of 1 John. Word and spirit. Word and spirit activates my faith. Which grows my love. Which empowers my obedience. Word and spirit activate my faith. Which grows my love. Which empowers my obedience. We want to be obedient people. We're going to be called to obedience next week. We, I've heard all my life, right? And I've been told that I, that, you know, and, 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 and preached at to love God more. Well, there's no, there's no ability in myself to love God more without the Word and the Spirit. So I must dig into the Word as the Spirit activates my faith, which will grow my love, which will propel my obedience. Let's remember that. As we apply this, because you might be sitting there this morning going, okay, you've defined three categories. You've encouraged us to remember that we're forgiven. You've encouraged us, if we're spiritually mature, to delight in our fellowship with, with Jesus Christ. You've called us to let the Word of God abide in us. So what do we do with that? Well, I find myself personally often pushing back on categorizing Christians. What John does here, though, is he speaks to the different stages of our Christian life. We can be children in our spiritual maturity. John's telling them that, not to make them feel bad, not to belittle them, but he's telling them for the words ahead, as I've said several times, now the words ahead will need these reminders. Your sins are forgiven and God is your Father we never outgrow our need ever for that reminder. I want to ask you this morning, do you ever feel like your sins are too great? You ever feel like your sins are too great, too big? You ever feel like all you do is fail? I do. What do we do in that moment? What do we do? 
Well, children need fresh reminders of forgiveness and acceptance and love and favor. And so today if you're here and, and you're wrestling with the sin in your life and you feel like all you do is fail and you, boy, you want to grow spiritually, but you just, you just feel like you're always going backwards. What do we do? Well, I want to encourage you today, very simply to that, to run to the Father. To run to your Father. And you can run to the Father because your sins are forgiven. So when you feel like a failure, remember who your Father is. And next week as you hear the command, you hear the imperatives of do and do and do, remember that there's going to be times when you don't, so run to your Father. His reminders of permanent forgiveness are available. And in your Christian life, friends, let's all go forward in God's unrelenting grace. To the Christians in our life that have lived a long and fruitful Christian life. By God's provision in your life, John admonishes you in your relationship with Christ. It's tested and tried. It's a true relationship. It's deep and intimate. Your Bible's open. Your heart and mind are engaged in the Word. You, you, would, you would admit in honesty and humility that there's a deep relationship with Christ. John's writing to you this morning. And I encourage you to keep your relationship with Christ fresh. Keep it real. Let it continue to refresh you. You know Jesus. You really know Jesus. And through the hills and the valleys of life, you have let Christ refresh you. I want to encourage you. And this seems, it seems like a little bit of pressure this morning, but I'm going to hopefully give you some hope in that. Don't let that relationship slip. Don't let it slip. To those who are, who are, growing in your Christian life, and you have seen spiritual victories. You've overcome the wicked one. You, according to John, are strong, and the Word abides in you if you have seen that spiritual victory. So here's the admonishment to you. Keep your heart humbled. Keep your heart humbled by the truth of the Word and the Gospel. As Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and, uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Keep the Word of God dwelling. And specifically, Paul said, the Word of Christ. Say, so what's the encouragement to that category? Honestly, it's keep fighting and growing. Keep fighting and growing. Many more battles are ahead for you. Many more battles are ahead for us. But can I just tell you this? There's a deep well of grace from which to draw. There's a deep well of grace from which to draw. And you will need His grace, and His grace is sufficient. Now let me just tie all this together. The truth is, as John writes to three categories, and it seems like he says three different things, and in different phases and stages and seasons of our Christian life, we almost and sometimes we need different reminders. But the truth is, we all go forward in similar ways. 
in similar ways. To the, to the group that needs a reminder of who their father is and the forgiveness that they've been given, the reminder is of grace. To the group, the fathers that need a reminder of the fellowship that, and the relationship that they enjoy, that's a reminder of grace to the group who, to the group who has been fighting and seen spiritual battle and spiritual victory. It's a reminder once again of grace. And so as we take all three groups, here's the truth. Every one of us, regardless of where we are today, we all go forward in grace. Because we're going to need the grace for next Sunday. You're going to need the the, the supply of, of grace for the law that we're going to get next week. You're going to need the gospel this week for the commands of next week. So I encourage you, I encourage you to remind yourself that your sins are forgiven. Remind yourself who your father is. Remind yourself of the fellowship that you had. Remind yourselves of the fight and spiritual victory that God has given you. As I was sitting back this week thinking about this, my thought was to all three groups, does your Christian life look anything like mine? I mean, let's just be honest for a minute. There's good days. There's bad days. There's victory. There's failure. There's fellowship. There's neglect. I don't say any of that to shame you or guilt you over that. But let's recognize that our Christian lives are probably all very similar. I've recognized this. I've recognized this, that more and more, my Christian life is simply me stumbling forward in gospel grace what it is. I used to, listen, I used to beat myself up for the stumbling. But then I realized that all I do is stumble forward in grace. That's all I do. My good days are just me stumbling by grace. My bad days are just stumbling and God graciously picks me up, cleans me off and Reminds me that he's, God is still my father and he calls me to fellowship. He enables spiritual victory. My Christian life and yours, if you're honest, is one giant stumble in the gospel. And that's good encouraging news today. A friend of mine used this video. We're going to cue it. It's so cute. It's a picture of our Christian life. You ever feel this? I mean, I feel like I get my feet, and they're not too steady, and then I faceplant. And I'm simply moving forward by God's passionate, loving, tender grace. Listen carefully this morning. I don't know where you are, and I honestly, it's not my job to categorize you. I just, it's beyond my pay grade. Wherever you are, though, Jesus calls you 
to continue to stumble forward. Just keep stumbling forward. I was reading in 2 Timothy this week, and the Lord awakened my heart to this in 2 Timothy 2. The Apostle Paul's near the end of his life, and he says to a young pastor, Timothy, he says these words, Thou therefore, my son, be strong. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in grace. To the little children, your sins are forgiven. And they've been forgiven for Christ's name. And you're, you have a father. And to the fathers, you, you have that knowing, that deep, intimate relationship. You're strong in grace. To the young men, you have been fighting spiritual warfare, and it's exhausting. Continue to be strong in grace. And as we approach next week to a familiar passage, one that has often been weaponized against us, we've all walked out of services feeling terrible because what John says next week, let's remind ourselves of this. We are all where we are because of grace. And as a church, let's continue just to stumble forward. Continue to stumble forward. We have no other option. We have no other option. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, maybe you wonder what is Christianity. Christianity is it's not simply moral oughts, moral commands. It's not a religious mantra. It's not a political statement necessarily. Christianity is a recognition of God, my creator, that God created me, and I chose to live in active rebellion against the God that created me. That was my choice. Genesis chapter 3, man chose to rebel against God. But God had promised that he would send a savior a redeemer to save and rescue man from their rebellion, from their sin. Because God must punish our sin and God sent Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross. He lived sinlessly. He died on the cross for our sins so that your sins can be forgiven you. So that God can be your father. So that relationship that was ruined by my rebellion can be restored by Jesus. And that relationship and that salvation and heaven as your future home is available to all who place their faith in Christ. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. We, a bunch of stumblers, we invite you to come to Christ in faith. Better yet, God invites you to come to Christ in faith. If you don't know him, I'll be at the door on your way out. Just... Just tell me, say, I'd like to hear more about that. We love to show you from God's word how you can know Christ as your Savior. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at ravenswoodbaptist.org. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media ministry and outreach ministry of Ravenswood, Your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Chicago and around the world.